get ready for Shuckapalooza! Wait, what do you mean that Shuckapalooza's over? It was just three episodes one week! Every day should be Shuckapalooza! Oh, wait, Greg's using his money in the bank? That's the reason that I can't do Shuckapalooza forever? Okay, Greg, you can have your way, you can have your episode. Here's the regular opening. Podcast regulations, that's outrageous! This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity! Episode 272, Submission 283, The Famous Teddy Z. The Famous Teddy Z aired on CBS from September 18th, 1989 to May 12th, 1990 for 20 episodes, five of them being unaired. And we're doing this live for the open, folks. Here we go. Now, Chico, this is a bop. Yeah, buddy. The keys to your fantasy. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, I want you to listen here. Listen to this. Listen to this. Whoa! See, he's the man to see. Oh, huh? Go far. Turn your dreams to reality. Uh huh. He'll make you a stone. Just call up, call up the famous Teddy. Ooh, Teddy. Ooh. It's a time for a fun fact of the day. Oh. That theme song that you just heard was co written by Steve Terrell, who would go on to write the music for The Heights and California Dreams. And it was sung by Bill Champlin. From Chicago. From Chicago, yes. Yes. And that was your neat sad of the day. So the famous Teddy Z was the creation of Hugh Wilson. And Hugh Wilson, of course, would be best known as the creator of one of the most popular shows on CBS in the late 70s, early 80s in WKRP in Cincinnati. Around this time, he would be working on the new WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, that wouldn't air for like another uh, two years in syndication, but yeah, that would be correct in the, the works. And it would have been fresh off future installment Frank's Place, which would have aired on CBS two years earlier. But hey, don't forget, we did talk about uh, Daphne and Tim Reed because they introduced... In the uh, the summer playhouse. Oh, the Infiltrator. Yeah. Infiltrator and uh, Kung Fu the Next Generation. Right. Oh, God. Those were terrible. Even though Miguel Ferrer was in Kung Fu the Next Generation, that was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. 
Okay. So it's around 1988, 89. And Hugh Wilson is trying to come up with a new idea for a television show. So, okay. The following clip here is going to be from an interview that Hugh Wilson did from the Archive of American Television regarding the creation of the famous Teddy Z. Columbia Television offered me a, 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 made an offer I couldn't refuse to come back and do TV. And once again, I was in movies kind of always wanting to get back into TV. I always was in TV wanting to get into movies, and then I got into movies and always thinking, I'd like to get back in TV. Anyway, they offered me a thing to, there was a deal where like uh, uh, Columbia and Paramount were in a race to pick off MTM writers. Taxi, Cheers, um, uh, what's Gary David Goldberg's uh, show? Family Ties. Family Ties. It, they were grabbing MTM writers and getting, and those were all at Paramount. So Columbia thought they could do it with me and Ed Weinberger. I don't think Ed ever did anything for him. I did the famous Teddy Z, which I thought would be kind of a funny showbiz thing. And of course, everybody said, nobody wants to see a show about show business. Now we have entourage. I, I was just kind of an early entourage thing. John Cryer had the lead, and I, I, I don't think he he really had the chops for it at the time. But in walked Alex Rocco, uh, and I'd never had more fun writing for a character. And I, he was the agent, Al Floss, and I he made fun of every agent I'd ever met. And Rocco won an Oscar, and we got canceled, and everybody walked away. Now, just remember that, because the whole thing of, like, nobody wants to watch a show about show business, just remember that for when we get to the end of the episode. So, Chico, um, you heard a little bit about Hugh Wilson talking about uh, some of the cast members. So, do you want to go over the cast for the uh, show here? I do, but um, can I introduce a guy named Jay Cantor first? Okay, let's do that. Because apparently, Jay Cantor... He is a 95-year-old producer out of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, because this is the inspiration for the show. This is, this is going to be important. He had an anecdote that says how he became the agent of Marlon Brando. And it's actually on YouTube as well. It's like a little three-minute thing. That is the genesis the anecdote, at least, of how Ted Zakalakis got that on one take, proud of myself, became a former mailboy and one of the most powerful agents in all of Hollywood, at least in his own mind. So playing Ted Zakalakis, or Teddy Z, if you're in the know, is John Cryer. You know him as, you know, Ducky. Ducky from 16 Candles. No, Ducky oh. from Pretty in Pink, dummy. Sorry, I get all these Frat Packs movies mixed up. It's Ducky from Pretty in Pink. But of course, he would have a more fruitful career later on down the line, starring in a little show 
that appeared in the Prime of Prime Time on CBS Mondays. I speak, of course, of Supergirl season one. Jeez. Oh, yeah. And that thing with Charlie Sheen and Angus T. Jones, too. Can't forget about that. And then the later Ashton Kutcher. And then later Ashton Kutcher. You mean mean the one with the theme song? Men, 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 men. Yeah, he was in that. Okay. Play the role of his brother, Ari Zakalakis. Josh Blake. If I'm not mistaken, he would just be coming off of playing three seasons of Elf. He's playing off of three seasons of Elf. I don't believe he was in the fourth one. And, okay, and here's the story behind Ted. He just got out of the army. He doesn't want to work at his family bakery. So he gets a job at a Hollywood agency. And it's called... The Unlimited Talent Agency. What Does an, this look like anything? What an unimaginative name. The Unlimited Talent Agency. I only say the Patrick Star line because Unlimited Talent Agency, U-T-A. Get it? I don't get it. I believe U-T-A is talent agency. Okay. I'm going to have to look. But yeah, uh, he gets out of the army, doesn't want to work at the bakery, gets a job as a mailboy for a Hollywood agent, and all of this is flushed out in the pilot. He stands up to a Hollywood big shot that supposedly is based off of Marlon Brando. Yeah, the Hollywood big shot is so impressed by his moxie that he makes him his agent. His agent. And the whole big thing is, like, his agent, the Marlon Brando type at the uh, agency, his agent beforehand was Al Floss. And he's like, pissed. how'd this guy out of nowhere from the mailroom just all of a sudden becomes his agent? Because the reason he becomes Teddy Z's agent is because Teddy Z punched him in the stomach. So, you're just driving along in the limo, and he asked you to be his agent? Uh, well, actually, we were outside the car, uh, fighting. I, I, I had just hit Mr. Kivo in the stomach, and, uh, he had dropped to his knees. <laughs> you were fighting with Mr. Kivo? No, uh, not really. I, it was just that one punch. So that's how you get clients. You pull them out of the car and you punch them in the stomach. Sure, I've been doing it all wrong. I take them to lunch and then like an idiot, I don't even hit them. What the hell have I been thinking about? That's how he became his agent. Teddy Z just punched him in the stomach. And it's like, oh, that's balls. You're down by agent. This random guy from the mailroom just happens to have to be put in charge of this guy to handle him. And he is so impressed that he becomes his agent. Yep. And the head of the Unlimited Talent Agency, Abe Workfinder, played by Milton Seltzer, who 
sadly is no longer with us, but you would probably remember him from such fair as uh, Get Smart, where he played Professor Parker and The People versus Gene Harris, The Adventures of Nellie Bly. One episode of Lou Grant. He was not a main character in anything, it seems like. He is a proverbial that guy from that thing. His last credited role was as a guy named Larry on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. I wonder if he was featured on the Walker lever on Conan. Who knows? But you know what? I bet it was probably not like this great clip from the Walker lever on Conan. Walker told me I had AIDS. Why did I know you were going to say that? Why? Why? That's a future hey, entry. Hey, did you guys talk about who played Alf Loss? Oh no, we haven't talked oh, no, about we, him yet. We're about we're about to talk about Alf. Okay, Loss. okay, all right. I, I, I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay, playing Alf Loss, the legendary Alex Rocco, who you'd probably best know for two things: Mo Green in The Godfather. That kid's name was Mo Green. And when he turned up dead, I didn't ask who gave the order. I kept it to myself. I said that this was the business we've chosen. I didn't ask who did it because it had nothing to do with business. And secondly, the voice of Roger Myers Jr. on The Simpsons. I got a third one. And oh. the, thing is, the thing is, you got a, actually a third and a fourth. If you listen to his voice and close your eyes... Listen to these two uh, things I'm going to mention, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that is him. He was on a first season episode of Family Guy in yes! 1989. Yes! yes, I know what you're doing. He, he played the soccer mom who was sort of manly, uh, had a very deep, gruff voice. He played the soccer mom that Peter Griffin punched, and, uh, and that put Peter Griffin under house arrest. But even better, again... Oh, yeah. Listen to the voice. Greg, you know where I'm going. Just, again, hear the voice. Close your eyes. He played B. Arthur in the Family Guy episode where they did the movie on Joe Swanson's uh, Olympic experience where B. Arthur was his, uh, his Olympic coach. Played and Tony Danza made an appearance in it. <laughs> played by Peter. B. Arthur played Peter. Rolling Courage to Joe Swanson story. B. Arthur was playing Peter. Okay, so you're saying that Alex Rocco voiced B. Arthur, who was playing the role of Peter Griffin in that episode. Yeah, but just seeing a credit for him, the voice of B. Arthur, and then when I saw that, it's like, oh my gosh. I'm watching this show, uh, the famous Teddy Z, and it's like, oh, holy crap, that is B. Arthur from that episode. Now you get it. But you know what was so amazing? Tony Danza was not playing somebody named Tony. Nope, he was playing somebody named Joe. Probably confused the hell out of him. But again, sort of like Alex Rocco, he was playing himself, Tony Danza, <laughs> voicing Joe Swanson. Yep. Coming to ABC, the simple story of a man in his chair. Rolling Courage, the Joe Swanson story. What the hell is this? Starring Tony Danza as Joe Swanson. 
Once a man at his physical peak, brought down by a cruel twist of fate. Why? With Valerie Bertinelli as Bonnie. Joe, you've got to accept your limitations. Why don't you just ask me to lay down and die? I can't live like this anymore. That's it. That's not how it happened. It was my idea. With B. Arthur as Peter Griffin. You'll never make it, Joe. Why don't you just give up right now? No, I've got to try, even if it's by myself. You're a fool, Joe, a fool. Rolling Courage, the Joe Swanson story, Friday on ABC, followed by Dharma and Greg. But you don't have to watch that. Confused? Confused? <laughs> you'll, find out, you'll find out more in the next episode of Soap. The Confused? You won't be after tonight's episode of Soap. Oh my gosh. Okay. We, okay. Still, now, we, we still have three more. We do. And here's the thing. Um, when he was working in the mailroom, his boss in the mailroom, Richie Herbie, was played by Tom LaGrua, who played two different characters in NYPD Blue. But he played the character of Rebo on Caroline in the City. Ooh, Caroline in the City. Forty episodes of Caroline in the City played Remo. Okay, underrated show, Caroline in the City. Very underrated show. That's got to be airing or streaming somewhere. It's got to be. And then we have the uh, coworker in the mailroom slash come secretary because she did work. She graduated out of law school, Lori Parr. She thinks she's somebody. She gets hired by Teddy as his secretary, then wants to quit. But it seems like all through the series, you get the feeling that she's planning something sinister for our hero here. And she's played by somebody who's known for playing people who are probably thinking of something sinister for our hero, Jane Sinnott. She played the same character in Herman's Head. She played the same character in Nick Frito, licensed teacher. Does this lady play any other character? Oh, she does. She plays. Are you ready for this? What did she play? Ross's ex-wife, Carol. Oh my God, on Friends. Yep. I wonder if she had an encounter with Marcel the monkey. This will become relevant later. Yes. There's a reason why I said it. Like, this will become relevant later. The bad thing about the cast is Grandma Dina, Dina Sakalakis, played by Erica Yeon. Sadly, no longer with us, but you probably know her, her voice at least as Mama Maskowitz in the original American Tale. And also, Greg, also, oh! Mike, also, you're ready for this. Okay. She played Madame Ruby in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, yes. That's great. Love it, love it, love, love and, it. And just remember, E.J. Daly was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure, just so we get it out of the way. Yes. E.G. Daly was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. We don't want letters. Don't at me. 
But we still love you. Yes. We do. Old man yells at music. Okay. We love you, man. <laughs> All right. So are we ready to discuss the episodes? I'm ready to watch Greg here lose it. Cause okay. This is, okay. Because a little bit of behind the veil here. This is Greg's money in the bank pick in case you forgot. Yes. Okay. And also, so, we got a ton of big names in this show. Oh, God. Where do we even begin? Oh, I know where we can begin. Episode one, pilot. Duh. Fresh from the army, Teddy gets a job in the mailroom of a talent agency. Through a fortuitous set of circumstances, he winds up picking powerful but childish Hollywood actor Harlan Kivo. Teddy ends up reprimanding the actor, punching him in the stomach and securing a job as his agent. This is apparently how Jay Cantor got Marlon Brando. Not important how. And we should add that Harlan Kivo was played by Dennis Lipscomb, no longer with us, but oh, we're going to talk about him again in the future. We have to because he played Sidney Welts on Cop Rock. Oh, Cop Rock. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'll be a great episode when we ever cover it. Oh, we're going to cover it. Maybe Stephen Botchko's worst show not named Turnabout. <laughs> there you go. That's what I was waiting for. Okay, do we have anybody else in the pilot? Nope, doesn't look like it. Yeah, I don't see anybody. Okay. All right, episode two. What's an agent to do? On his first day as an agent, Teddy has no idea what to do. Nope. No idea. Uh-uh. Meanwhile, Lori resents being offered a position as Teddy's secretary. This is where I was like, does Jade Sibbett play any other character? Because if you watch the ending, she's at her secretary desk. And she's thinking, oh, Ted Zakalakis, I'm so going to ruin you. Now, I wouldn't know if she ultimately does, but that's what she looks like. Well, we don't have any big guest stars in episode two, but I'm sure we're going to talk about a couple of people in episode three. Now, episode three. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Greg's going to lose it. Greg's going to lose it. Greg loses it in three, two, one. Bobby the chimp. So Teddy gets a new client called Bobby the chimpanzee, who's the star of like this hit television show. And I guess... Bobby the Chip is unhappy that he doesn't want to be on this show anymore. <laughs> and so Teddy, and oh my god, Teddy goes on entertainment tonight to vouch for Bobby the Chimp and Mary Horton interviewing Teddy about the Chimp. I'm not not even kidding that actually happens. He's not wrong. He's talking. Hold on, I gotta get. You know what? Let me try to find it. Hold on a second. I'll cue it up. We broke him after three episodes, Chico. Good job. And Greg is dead. Oh, God. And Grace Greg didn't make this abundantly clear. 
Mary Hart plays herself in this episode. And everybody should know who Mary Hart is. She was on Entertainment Tonight for years. But also, she's married to Burt Sugarman, the guy who had the few tapes. The producer of few. That is true, yes. Yeah. And also, while Greg is uh, pulling up the audio, in this episode of playing Lou Neffler is Michael Lembeck. Oh. So where do we know Michael Lembeck from? Well, he was Max Horvath on One Day at a Time for pretty much like the last four or five seasons. But also, since everything comes back to the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour, he was on Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. It's time for a Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour callback. Okay, guys, I got it ready. You ready for the... uh... Teddy Hunt Entertainment tonight. Uh, Bring it! I can't. I can't not be ready. This is great. He's Teddy. Well, yours really is the most unusual show business story we've heard of in years. Well, yes, I. Uh, I guess it's uh, pretty remarkable. Hair yeah. is good. What is Harlan you, people like in person? He's a, a a pretty uh, unusual guy. Really? Do you do you have any other clients yet? Uh, yes, I do. I have uh, Bobby the Chimp from the television show Bobby and Me. Oh yes, that's a big hit. Uh, yes, it is, but I'm not so sure it's going to stay that way. How come? Well, because of a very silly misunderstanding, the uh, the network has decided to fire Bobby, and they just think that they can stick any other chimpanzee in there, and it's not going to make any difference. But uh, but I disagree, and. Uh, and, and, and I think a, a lot of television viewers out there feel the same way. I, I, I think they want to see the real Bobby. He's worked very hard to make his show a success, and I just don't think it's fair to just throw him out like yesterday's newspaper. I mean, I would write and, uh, and call the network. You, know, you could contact Mr. Landon Tarmac personally. Do, do whatever you can to help. See, Bobby's given us a lot of laughs over the years, ladies and gentlemen, you kids particularly, and I, I think we should try to pay him back. Now that he, he needs our help in the, in the worst sort of way. I, see, I happen to believe that it, it's not true that if you've seen one monkey, you, you've seen them all. Ted, how, how is Bobby taking all of this? Well, he, he's almost suicidal. Oh, oh, God. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Fast-breaking news, and you've heard it first right here on Entertainment Tonight. Teddy, thank you very much. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Greg, I just, 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 just get it all. Out. He's get pleading, it all out just He's thing. pleading to save Bobby the Chimp's job. Oh my god! Oh, oh, oh my god! It's ridiculous. Okay. Have we discussed all the guest stories? Yeah, yeah. All, all the ones of note, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We talked about who played Zed as trainer. No, we did not. Okay. Who Zed played Zed his trainer. It's played by Barry Corbin. Do we know who Barry Corbin is? Uh, the name sounds familiar. Isn't he the guy who was Oh! He was in that one episode of Yellowstone, wasn't he? 
Okay, he was in Yellowstone. Okay. Very current Yellowstone. And he's on 32 episodes of The Ranch, three episodes of Better Call Saul. He was a regular on the series Anger Management. Oh, the Charlie Sheen uh, series. The, after. the Charlie Sheen after Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Yep. He was on 100 episodes of that. Well, yeah, because they did one season on FX and then they shot the rest for syndication. Yep, and then he was on 110 episodes of Northern Exposure. Five minutes to Northern Exposure. Gotta see Moose. Gotta see Moose. What hasn't he been on? Jeez, I don't know. Wings? <laughs> there you go. He wasn't yeah. on Wings. Wasn't on Wings. He did not make Tony Shalhoub's career. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. But he was in Season 7 of Celebrity Poker Showdown, so... Oh, okay. Something. Good. All right. Episode four, a day at the beach. Intending only to water the plants, Teddy reluctantly brings his family along to a movie store's beach house. Okay, so Teddy's supposed to water the plants and feed this actress's dog. But he takes his entire family with him to the house. And he takes grandma, his brother, and his aunt and uncle, and basically hilarity ensues. Yeah. Because I think his grandma breaks the toilet, and it's water overflowing everywhere, and they lose the dog at one point. And they get a dog, but it's not the actual dog, because... The dog is a girl, and the actual dog the actress has is a boy. By the way, one thing about Bobby the Chimp that I did not mention is that Bobby the Chimp is actually a girl. Yeah. Bobby the Chimp is actually a girl. Chimpanzee. Funny, huh? And then the best part is... The actress's boyfriend comes up because Teddy's, I guess Teddy's brother's trying to use the jacuzzi upstairs. And then her boyfriend comes into the house and because Teddy's pants got wet from the toilet, I guess, he tries to take his pants off. And the boyfriend sees Teddy thinking that he's having an affair with him. And he hears the jacuzzi and he's like, you Son of a... And he punches him! Well, <laughs> one second! I'm coming! It's open. Who are you? I'm just here to water the plants. And who are you? Look familiar? Oh, yeah! Where's Connie? In Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> sure. I called Hawaii. I called Hawaii a hundred times. What's that? It's the upstairs jacuzzi, you son of a... So 
episode is so freaking ridiculous. We do have a name in this episode. I'm sorry to take away from Greg's hilarity. Playing Angie in this episode? His aunt. Aunt Angie. Liz Torres. Yeah. Oh, God, Liz Torres. What can we say about her? She's been on, like, everything. Yeah, she was in uh, John Larroquette. She was in American Family, First Monday, uh, Gilmore Girls. She was in Gilmore Girls. And she was in that one episode of One Day at a Time with uh, Gloria Estefan on it. She played Tia Bitchy. Tia Bitchy. Yes, that is her character's name, Tia Bitchy. And because I can, I'm going to add one more show that she was on. She was on quite a few episodes of, and this is a former installment, Break the Bank in 1976 with Tom Kennedy. Oh, terrific. Oh, such a fun show. It was. But yeah, I remember her most from John Larroquette because she was, wasn't she like a director or something like that? I think actually the John Larroquette show, if I'm not mistaken, is on Rewind TV. Yeah. I think it is. That's a channel I don't get, so. Okay. Well, we did talk about John Larroquette last week because, of course, he was Maltz in Star Trek Three. But also, hey, since we know him as uh, Dan Fielding on Night Court. Oh, yeah. He's going to be in the Night Court reboot. He's coming back in the reboot. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Oh, I'm so excited. Can't wait. To quote Bart Scott. Okay. One more thing before we move on. Teddy's uncle, Nikos, is played by Tony Benedetto, And he's not known for much, but he played Tony on... Nine episodes of Cheers. All right, episode five has two names. Truth by Consensus Wikipedia has it as Teddy makes $50,000, dot, 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 in one day, while INDB has it as The Dark Closet. So we're just going to go by The Dark Closet for this case. When he signs a contract to start in The Dark Closet, Harlan Kivo finagles a fat bonus for Teddy but he later decides he doesn't want to do the film. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. So he accompanies his client. He used to be Al's client. He gives Teddy a $50,000 bonus. Now, remember, Pilot established that Teddy's yearly salary at the agency is $50,000 a year. Yes. And he makes double that in a day for Harlan doing this film. But... Because it's Harland, and he has, like, such an ego, he's like, eh, I don't want to do this film. Why? Why are you doing this, Harland? That's just ridiculous. Episode 6. Okay. Now, before we get going, the episode of this is called Teddy Gets Fired. Now, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, this story was suggested by an article by Chuck Ross, who gets a story credit for this episode. Mr. Ross had slightly altered the script for Casablanca and actually submitted it to over a hundred agents under its original title. Everybody comes to Rick's and then wrote about the reactions. So in this episode, Al pawns a movie script onto Teddy from one of his clients. Who's a writer. And Teddy is so captivated by this script that he actually tries to get the film made, which makes Al look like a fool. But it later turns out that they research it, 
And it turns out that this script is plagiarized from Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And it looks like Teddy's going to get fired. But then it comes out in, I guess it's the LA Times or something, because the guy who wrote the script is a writer for the LA Times or whatever paper that comes out with it, because the story's inspired by something similar to this, that he submitted it to every agent in Hollywood. And it turned out that Al did not believe in this movie. And he writes, the writer writes, he had an idea for like having this movie being in, having like a car chase on the Rose Garden and the White House. <laughs> Just some ideas to spice it up. <laughs> and okay, here's the best part. Do you want to know who Al suggested should be the lead for this movie? This is oh, the boy. Jimmy Stewart role in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Can't wait for this. Mike, are you ready for suggested would be the lead in this Greg, okay. Let me give everybody a warning. Greg completely loses it in five, four, three, two, one. Mike, are you ready for this? I've got some ideas, but I want to hear who this is. You're not going to expect this. This is not going to be who you expected. Are you ready? Surprise me. The Fat Boys. <laughs> 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 oh, oh my gosh oh my gosh can you imagine the human beatbox uh it, giving the epic speech at the end <laughs> i'm hungry oh my gosh that is the most <laughs> reference we've ever had that is 1989 in a nutshell. Oh this might God. be the first and the last time we'll ever mention the Fat Boys on this podcast. Oh my gosh. Oh, it should be noted that IMDb has a totally different episode name for this called Mr. Zakalakis Goes to Washington. Okay. Well, it makes sense because it's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, so... Yeah, well, I can I can tell you the next episode, both IMDb and Wikipedia share the same title, so we're oh. not going to have any of these dual titles anymore. Okay, Hopefully. good. All right, here we go. Episode seven, baking with Esther Luna. Al and Lori are each miffed for different reasons when Teddy accompanies a screen siren home to bake cookies. Woo! Oh, wait till you find out who the screen siren is. Oh, who's the screen obviously, siren? It's, obviously, it's Esther Luna. Yeah. But playing Esther Luna, oh gosh, the inimitable Susan Anton. Ooh. You don't know who Susan Anton is. What's wrong with you? Yeah, what's wrong with you, baby? I believe she's the only name of note in this episode. Episode 8. Oh, this is a good one. Teddy sells his house. Teddy looks into buying a house closer to work because remember Chico, it's established that Teddy has to go 90 minutes from his house to work at the unlimited talent agency. Yep. Meanwhile, 
now negotiates a contract for an actor who he doesn't realize is deceased. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> so, well, we have a couple of names in this uh, episode. Uh, play the role of Sheldon Sams is Alan Ruck. He of Spin City fame, obviously. Let me tell you something. Alan Ruck with the mullet. Very, very happening mullet. Very late 80s, early 90s mullet. You could tell he was going places. Golf clap. Golf clap. Yeah, Alan Ruck plays the real estate agent. And in another scene, Teddy, Ori, and his grandma are looking into a condo in L.A. about what they do after they sell the house. And playing the real estate agent, showing them the condo, B.B. Besh, who, of course, was best known for playing Dr. Carol Marcus in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And, of course... The role of Dr. Carol Marcus would also later be played in Star Trek Into Darkness by Alice Eve, who, by the way, Chico, Alice Eve is starring in a pilot for a reboot of Early Edition. Yes, Alice Eve is starring in a pilot for a reboot of Early Edition. Yeah, she'll be playing, I guess, the Kyle Chandler role in the... uh... I will watch the hell out of that. So I guess that means in, like, another... 10 years she's going to be a football coach? Sure, why not? I guess. Maybe. Hey, by then it'll be 2032 and as anybody can tell you women can do anything. Yeah, by 2032 football will be just like completely screwed at this point. Everything's going to be completely screwed by the time we get to 2032 so it's going to be like, ah, why not? Okay, so episode 9 then. Oh, yeah. Okay. Episode. Oh. Greg's going to lose it again. Oh, God. going to blow. Oh, no. He's going to blow. Okay. A case of murder. Oh, do we want to say who directed this episode? I think we do, because this is relevant. The director of this episode, and this is actually, did he direct episodes of WKRP when he was on it, too? Probably. I don't know. So Frank Bonner, who worked with Hugh Wilson on WKRP, directed this episode. He would go on to direct episodes of Saved by the Bell, The New Class, and USA High. But hold on, guys. Frank Bonner, as we all know, sold Henry the Refrigerator on Punky Brewster that Cherry was locked into. Stay the hell away from that guy. Do not, Henry. Do not don't buy, don't, don't buy, buy the, the damn refrigerator. No, Do don't not buy the damn refrigerator. Don't buy it from Frank Bonner, Henry. Punky, Punky, can we return the refrigerator for a refund? Punky, did you save the receipt? Punky, Punky. <laughs> oh no, Punky. Did you re- did you return the, the receipt, Punky? Oh, hold on a second. I forgot to mention in episode six. Because we're talking about George Gaines just now. 
there's a reference to like I'll play this clip here. There's like a reference to like writing the script for Police Academy. If this guy's such a four-star loser, why do you keep him as a client? Because kid, with writers, you never know. Just when you think a guy's a complete jerk, he sits down and writes Police Academy. And do you know why that's funny? Did he write the script for Police Academy? Hugh Wilson co-wrote the script for Police Academy. Yes, that's what I just said. Yeah. And you know who co-wrote it with him? One who's one of the co-writers. Because we talked about him twice on this podcast before. Pat Proft. Yep, that'll do. All right, so in oh. this episode... Okay. I we can't. have... <laughs> oh, my God. The return of Harlan with Dennis Lipscomb. <laughs> and then we got the return of Bobby the Chimpanzee. And the return of Bobby the Chimpanzee. Hey, hey guys. What? We didn't even talk about the episode plot. Yeah, that's what uh, we're going to do. Okay. I, I was waiting for Chico to say it. Because okay, he mentioned so, right, Harlan, here, here is here back. Is. Harlan, is, is. Harlan and Bobby are back. Harlan and Bobby are back. Teddy got Harlan the job on a film that his other client, Bobby the <laughs> But it's the film Harlan can't stand being upstaged by Bobby. He asks Teddy if Bobby can be replaced, but that won't happen. So he tries to kill Bobby, but he ends up killing his trainer. <laughs> yeah, almost kills his trainer. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Dennis yes. Lipscomb and Barry Corbin are back as Harlan Kivo and Zed Westheimer. And then you have, and also Bo the Chimp is Bobby. Can't forget that. And I only bring this up because Charlie Stratton plays a guy named Tony Hale. Not that Tony Hale. Yeah. He's did 11 episodes of Dirty Dancing before this. Oh, the Dirty Dancing series with freaking McLean Stevenson? Yes. With freaking McLean Stevenson. Freaking McLean Stevenson. And before that, he did an episode of L.A. Law. Jeez. Greg, I believe you know what to do now. Watch your step, Diana. I really didn't want to talk about it. Too late. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, okay. Not done yet. Oh, we're not? No, we're not. Uh, actually, we're done with that episode. We're not done with the series yet. Episode 10. Teddy gets a house guest. A pretentious actor comes to stay with Teddy's family to research his role as a Greek character. Yeah, so you have the typical method actor who's coming to stay with Teddy's family. And they're all, like, frightened by this guy. Like, he's so into his character. He's trying to play, like, a a Greek guy from Jersey. And they're all like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? This is spaghetti. Greeks eat spaghetti all the time. Doesn't work for me. Salad works. I don't buy the spaghetti. 
the salad works? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll make something Greek for you for dinner tomorrow night. I'll help fix it. My husband's away. Only do it if it's real. Only do it if it's something you'd normally be doing. Right. <laughs> Gotta be real. Of course. So, Nikki, could you tell us a little bit about a certain rock and roll singer you used to date? I told you, I'm not an actor. I'm Nick, your cousin from New Jersey. Right, we're, we're sorry. Who is Nick? He is. Who is movie star? There is no movie star, Yaya. Just Nick, our cousin from New Jersey. We have no cousin in New Jersey. Pretend we do. This is crazy, no? Just go along with it. Just let it happen. I'm, I'm Greek and I'm, I'm a member of your family. Okay. <laughs> Don't look Greek to me. I'm gonna dye my hair. What about a wig? Did you wear a wig in Man of War? This is not working. I don't want to talk about movies. I'm not a movie star. I'm your cousin. Treat me like you would a member of your family. Has everybody got that? Thank you. You member of my family? Yes. I can talk now? Of course. Take elbow off table. What? This is not pigsty. Elbow off. Okay. Put napkin in lap. Right. And sit up straight. Ready? Don't talk with your mouth full. All right, already. <laughs> and that actor is played by John Trelesky, who nowadays is known more as a director than an actor. His last credit as an actor was in The Brave in 2018 as Captain Halsey. But he's directed episodes of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And The Blacklist. And The Blacklist. And SWAT. Swat. And Equalizer. Oh, yeah. And How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, that's great. But okay, playing one of the other agents at Unlimited Talent Agency, the agent for John Terleski, the method actor, playing Ray Jacoby is George Weiner. And we've talked about George Weiner on this podcast before in the past. Yep. And he'd be best known as, of course, Colonel Sanders in Spaceballs. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? <laughs> Sir, don't you want to buckle up? Ah, buckle this. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All Such right. a good movie if you've never seen it. You need to, if you haven't if you haven't seen Spaceball before, what's wrong with you? You haven't lived life. I'm sorry. No, you have not. Okay. <laughs> episode eleven. Uh, this 11. is so great. It's the Christmas episode, guys. Season's greetings from Al Floss. It's Christmas time and Al, the Grinch tells Teddy and Lori that they have to come in tomorrow to wait for something important to be delivered. When they complain to Al, he retorts by saying that years ago when he was starting, his mentor, Maury Chekhov, did the same thing to him, though he has no sympathy for them. Later that evening, Al's at home, and Maury shows up as a ghost and tells Al he's going to be visited by three ghosts. You see where this is going, right? Yes. 
It's basically a Christmas Carol parody. And they actually do mention that this was actually used the year before with Scrooge. Because that would have come out in 88. Yeah. But okay, playing Murray. Oh, what a great name for this. Bill Macy. Yep. Maud. Yeah, yeah B. Arthur's husband on Maud. Yeah. So Al's going to Hawaii. He's learned nothing from this experience at all. And all the ghosts, who, by the way, all the ghosts are played by, like, versions of people from the talent agency. So they decide, you know what? Let's just haunt Al in Hawaii again. Maybe he'll get it there. Maybe. I'm guessing no. No. Because it's Al Floss. It's Al Floss. He hasn't learned anything. No. Okay. Episode 12. Grandma goes to work. After he gets his first big paycheck, Dita thinks Teddy is selling drugs. So he invites her to work, where she tries to poach one of Al's clients. You see, yeah, because Teddy's grandma's like, under the assumption that, uh, He's probably selling drugs at the talent agency. Why she thinks this? I don't. Well, in fairness, they do live 90 minutes away from the talent agency. Yeah. And it's basically she knows where Teddy works, but not what Teddy does. Okay. If she knew what Teddy does, can you imagine the reaction? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. Well, she does know he represents a chimp, so... Well, there you go. But okay. Playing a singer who's one of Al's clients who wants to get into acting, who Teddy's grandma tries to poach from Al. Uh, Mike knows where I'm going with this. Playing Freddie Montaigne. Terry Kaiser. Birdie. Bernie! Oh, Bernie! <laughs> yeah, we just talked about it within the last few weeks. Yeah. Hey, did I ever tell you that in the early 2010s, the Oakland Athletics had like a thing whenever they would win a game or have a walk-off where they would do the Bernie dance from Weekend at Bernie's too? <laughs> I can see that. So you mean all seven people in attendance danced? Did the birdie dance from Wicked at Birdies too? And they actually got Terry Kaiser to throw a first pitch. No way. No, I'm not I'm... joking. This actually happened. Unbelievable. <laughs> that, that is false. Oh, that was a thing. It was that'll be on a spin-off podcast. It was a thing in an MLB dugout. The birdie dance from Wicked at Birdies 2 by the Oakland A's in the 2010s. Oh, boy. we don't talk about how you know, Weekend at Bernie's was great, but Weekend at Bernie's too. That was a masterpiece. They used a live chicken. And because of the live chicken, Bernie came back to life by dancing whenever music was played. And that's all he did was dance. Just a reminder, check your chickens. Yes. 
Check your chickens. Check your chickens. Okay, episode 13. Teddy meets his hero. Teddy becomes an agent for Engineer Bob, an over-the-hill children's TV star. But the only job he can find is a personal appearance at the opening of his uncle's new restaurant. And playing Engineer Bob is Peter Hobbs. And Chico, do you have any information on Peter Hobbs? Peter Hobbs was another that guy from that thing. He played roles in Perry Mason. He was the recurring on Barney Miller, Lou Grant, The Odd Couple, The Facts of Life, The FBI, The Tim Conway Show. And he played Peter Ames in Your Stories. Well, one of your stories. The Secret Storm. Oh, The Secret Storm. Hold on a second. Johnny, what do you have to say? <laughs> no! Coming after Badge Game. No. Stay tuned for Secret Storm. Next over most of these serious stations. Thank you, Johnny. You can leave now. Dude, you should mm-hmm. talk to somebody about that ghost that's be haunting your house so much. Oh, yeah. You won't figure this out, but we mentioned in two episodes from now, we are taping these episodes in reverse order. So that joke makes no sense. But trust me, it'll make sense when you listen to the next episode. Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking of the next episode. Oh, oh, hold on. Before we do that. Before we do. Okay. um, Hold on. Playing man number two in this episode. Man number two is Harry Waters Jr. And do you want to know what Harry Waters Jr. is best known for? What is that guy known for? Yep, he was Marvin Barry in Back to the Future. I knew that name sounded familiar. It's a good thing that Morty saved the day and played the guitar so his parents could Okay. Alright, so let's go to episode 14. Oh, Teddy gets a better offer. Harland pressures Teddy to take a position at a rival agency. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so Dennis Lipscomb's back as Harlan Kivo, but playing Mel Barrett, who I presume is from the rival agency, Kurtwood Smith. Ah, that would be Red from that 70s show. Yeah, and we did talk about him in The New Adventures of Beans Baxter. Oh, yeah, he's a bad man. Bad man. And you know what? He was in RoboCop a couple of years earlier, so he was doing bad things there, too, in RoboCop. Yep, he was Clarence Boddicker in RoboCop. He sold the drugs. He put out the hit on Alex Murphy that got him killed. That That Yeah. You son of a Okay. Somewhere Gregory Ixton is looking at Kurtwood Smith and going like, damn. That's harsh. I'm not that bad. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Wait, uh, wasn't next- Kurtwood Smith in 24? He seems like someone who would have been in 24 at one point. Was, was Kurtwood Smith? That is a good question. Was Kurtwood Smith in, in 20- 24? 
He played Senator Blaine Mayer during season seven. Okay. Season seven, the next. I was off of 24 at that point. So that I knew he was probably on 24 because I think I remember he was on it at some point. But uh, oh, wait a minute. Hold on, Chico. Kurtwood Smith played the Federation president in Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. And, you know, who was also in Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. John Shuck? Yes, he came back as the Klingon ambassador in Star Trek 6. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to see if this happens again. John Shuck. Starfleet regulations, that's outrageous! And speaking of which, do you know who else is in this episode? Who? Playing the role of Chang... John Fujioka, who we talked about in the Monsters Today last week. Wow. That's incredible. Before we get into episode 15, now the show was placed on hiatus. It came back on May 12th, 1990, which is episode 15. But this was the only episode aired after January. And then afterwards... The last five episodes of the show were unaired. But reportedly, they did air uh, twice uh, down the line. Once on Comedy Central in 1993, and then again in the 2000s as part of Trio's Brilliant But Cancelled series. Yes. So this is the last aired episode right here. Episode 15, Agent of the Year. An obnoxious agent locks horns with Al in Lurers Lori Away. I'm guessing playing that obnoxious agent, Eileen Messner, is, oh, yeah, this makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Robin Riker. And we talked about her on previous entry, Get a Life. That's right. Get a life. But also, guys, later on in the year, we'll be talking about the CBS Friday Night Block Party. And she was on the Gregory Hines show. Oh, boy. Now, Mike, you cannot wait till we talk about Miko. I have no reaction for that show right now because, who boy, I'm glad I was working on Friday nights back in 1997. You're like, oh, I'm thankful I didn't watch this shit. It, it Basically. Was, from what I've seen, it's bad. I was it's 13 bad. when I saw Miko. I thought it sucked even back in 1997. It, yeah, it's a bad show. I was like, Michelle Trentenberg, you can do so much better than this. And she did. She yes. was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, sure, she had to deal with Joss Whedon, but you know what? She got through it, and she ended up on Gossip Girl. That's what you call resilience. Yeah. Well, I got two names for you. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. All right. Playing Milton this episode is Sid Milton. He was Sal Petrillo on the Golden Girls. Oh, that's great. He also played Alf Monroe on Green Acres. But the other name, I he looks familiar like we've talked about him. I don't think we have necessarily, 
but playing Alan in this episode is Phil Leeds. I look at the face and I immediately remember him. He played God on a couple of episodes of Night Court. I'm not even joking. Oh, God. Yeah, he played God. Oh, jeez. That's, that's what I just said. Unfreaking believable. He played God in... Oh, 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 here's where I remember. I'm looking at the episode titles now. He played God in uh, an early episode. I uh, don't know if it's season one or season two uh, called Death Threat. But where I remember him now, and this, this is because I saw the name of the episode. He played God number two in the classic episode, A Day in the Life, where they have to get through like 500 court cases before midnight. Classic episode. Very classic episode. He yes. also played Judge Happy Boyle, Dennis Happy Boyle, on five episodes of Ally McBeal. Yeah, that was like one of his last roles. Yep. And he played Lou in two episodes of that show that Greg loves because it made Tony Shalhoub's career. Try and keep up, people. So now we're venturing into the unaired episodes, or at least originally unaired. Episode 16, Teddy goes to the awards. Teddy gets the opportunity to go to a Hollywood awards event, which his client, Harlan Kivo, is nominated and favored to win. Kivo doesn't go to it. He shows up at Teddy's and tells them if he wants to go up on stage and read a speech he wrote wherein he declines the award. Problem is, Teddy didn't bring the speech. Uh-oh. Now, he's, uh-oh. now he's dreading what'll happen if Kivo wins. Does this look like anything? Yeah, this is a parody of Borland and Brando when he didn't accept the award for the Godfather. For the Oscar. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Okay, so I have actually the ending cued for this episode, okay? Next. Oh, please say Bobby the Chimp beat him. Can't feel my feet. <laughs> I lost the speech. <laughs> and now for the moment we've all been waiting for the best actor category to present the award Miss Betty Sean and Mr. Todd Raymond <laughs> look at Teddy this is definitely it now Aristotle my friend now we come to that point in the evening that the entire world has been waiting for and my absence will be all that's ever remembered <laughs> they'll be talking about it for years to come these stupid awards look at all these stupid people huh what a waste of time this is shame shame on all of you oh please please let it be me no one but me Barry Jassim for Kill the Lawyers and Harlan Kibo for City of Walls yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I noticed the Nintendo on his TV. Oh, no. That's what I was just going to mention. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yes. The winner is <laughs> and Ari's just looking at Harlan like, the f*** is wrong with you? Uh. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh my god. Oh, but yeah, that Nintendo that they had was pretty nice. I wonder if they had the power glove. I wonder if they got it like in a promotion for the wizard or something. Probably. Uh, episode 17. How to make a television show. Teddy watches in astonishment as everyone adds their two cents to a TV show pitch and it morphs into something else entirely. So many names in this episode. We have uh, Barbara Tyson, who is known for being that lady in that Canadian thing. Hold on, I gotta mention one credit that she had. Do you remember on Murphy Brown, at least the original run, the 80s and 90s run, Mm -hmm. they'd have different secretaries every episode? She was one of the secretaries? She's credited, I'm not kidding, in a 1989 episode... As secretary number 22. Oh, boy. Yeah, she was secretary 22 because, like I said, every episode had, like, a new secretary when Murphy Brown came into the office. So, apparently, she was the 22nd person in that rotation. But also, I should mention, funny that you should mention Murphy Brown because this aired the same night as Murphy Brown. It did, yeah. Alex Rocco is a cameo in that season, the 89-90 season of Murphy Brown, as the agent of several of the characters on Murphy Brown as Alf Loss. So that's great crossover there. And I'd also be remiss if I didn't mention that Barbara Tyson, she was on an episode of Hanging In in 1982. That's like our Canadian wings. Okay. Playing the role of Earl is... Bruce Waller, who's best known as Rabbi Glickman on Seinfeld, playing the role of Ann Policy as Cynthia Stevenson, who is known as that funny woman from that funny thing. She played, oh, she played Agent Cody Banks' mother. In Agent Cody Banks. Yes. Starring Frankie Munez and Sophie from How I Met Your Father. Funny you mentioned that. Playing the role of J.C. Carr is Christine Rose. She is Ted Mosby's mother. On How I Met Your Mother? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't intend for that to be a segue, but... Oh, yeah. Wait, did, did Ted's mother on How I Met Your Mother get remarried? If yes. I recall. Oh my! Yes, got remarried to. Jeez, what was his? He looked like that Tommy Chong looking dude. Um, Clint. 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 Who played Clint? Clint was played by some guy named Harry Groner. I just looked it up. Oh yeah, an SNL veteran. Okay. You who played Ted's father? I forgot. Michael Gross. Michael Gross played Ted's dad on How I Met Your Mother. Wow, I was like, okay, so if you're reviewing, Michael Gross and Christine Rose got together and created Josh Ratner and Aaron Cahill. Yes! Just so we're uh, Clear. on the same page here. Created Ted Mosby and the Pink Ranger on Power Rangers Time Force. A.K.A. Ted's hot sister, Heather. Ted's hot A- sister, Heather. A.K.A. one of the six queens of the Hallmark movie channel. Yes. 
By the way, Chica, we've discussed this many times. It's it's very freaky that Aaron Cahill on Power Rangers Time Force had a thing for wanting to the relative of her supposedly dead fiance. Next time on It Was a Thing in the Space Time Continuum. Episode 18. Al tells the truth. For once? It's a lie, lie. You're telling a lie. I never know why. You don't know how to tell the truth. Al takes Teddy out to lunch to teach him the sleazy ways of the business, which includes lying to protect a movie star who's facing assault charges. Oh, no. oh boy. Hey, 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 Greg, Greg, Greg. Oh. Do you want me to make this even more cringeworthy? Oh, who's playing the. Well, no, no, not not necessarily. But in this episode playing Gabe Strock is Robert Culp. Here's how I'm going to make it really cringeworthy. Uh, I, oh, uh, you know. You know where I'm I going. I know where you're going with this. He was on I Spy with Mr. Black. The Black. Mr. Black. Let's, let's just bring it back down. Let's bring it back down. He was in The Greatest American Hero. Oh, uh, Yep. Yes, he was. That's a much better credit than connecting him with Mr. Black. Yeah, oh, by, by the, the way. Right. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say it. There's a Toy Galaxy episode that just came out today on The Greatest American Hero. Just go to Dan's channel and watch the Toy Galaxy episode on Greatest American Hero. Oh, and also Greg Robert Culp. Yeah. On an episode of Wings. Hey! Oh, hey, Mike! You're not gonna believe this, okay? Surprise me! Hold on, hold on! I need, I need to get some popcorn here. All right, proceed. Did you know that I love wings? What if I said yes? That would just kill the bit, wouldn't it? No, it would not kill the bit. You know, it wouldn't kill the bit. Yeah, yeah, I did somehow know that you like wings. Oh, and by the way, since. We talked about Robert Culp, and he was on The Greatest American Hero. And you know how much I love making references to Seinfeld in this podcast? Uh-huh. <laughs> and by the way, true story, because this was mentioned on the Late Late Show with James Gordon, that was actually Cat Denning's ringtone. Oh, <laughs> Believe it or not, George isn't at home. That's great. That ought to be on my voicemail, just saying. That should be on everybody's voicemail. Two more to go. Two more okay. to go. Episode 19. Teddy's big date. Ori agrees to attend a movie screening with Teddy, but his dream date turns into a nightmarish double date with her inebriated mother. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You think that's funny? Wait till you find out who her mother is. Go ahead, Mike. Playing her inebriated mother, Faye Parr, Janet Carroll. Oh, gosh. She was Gary on Married with Children. She was Al Bundy's boss. And Gary shoots. 
from Gary Shoes. Yeah, she she was the Gary and Gary Shoes like in the last three seasons or so. Because Gary, there was originally another Gary who was a male who supposedly like died in a plane accident, and Al actually had a friend of his play Gary, and it's it's a weird story from like the first season. But J- uh, Janet Carroll didn't uh, regularly show up on uh, Married with Children to like season eight or nine, right near the end. But we did talk about Janet Carroll because she was on previous installment, Double Dare 85. The, yeah, uh, they did talk about her there, yes. Yeah, the, 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 the cop, the, the, co- the cop, the cop show, show, not the game show. Not the game show, the one with uh, Billy D. Williams and Ken Wall. Mm-hmm. Now, she's also on an episode of... Uh, 227 as Emily Mortimer. Not that Emily Mortimer. Which Emily Mortimer did you think we were talking about? Yeah, not the Emily Mortimer from the newsroom. No. And actually, this episode uh, is being released on the 23rd of May. Janet Carroll died 10 years and a day ago. So she died on May 22nd of 2012. Oh, not, not to make it sad, but yeah, it's just about the 10th anniversary of her passing. Mm-hmm. We miss you, Janet. We do. All, all right. So one more episode. Here's the final episode. Episode 20. Teddy gets a guru. Looney New Age movie star Donna Gates pursues Teddy for representation. So Al goes out of his way to impress her and playing Donna Gates. Oh, Oh boy, this oh, is a... she'd be big in a few years. Well, she would probably be big now because she's probably on a a certain show at this point in 1990. BB Newworth. Would she be on Cheers at this point? Yeah, I think she'd be on Cheers as uh, Lilith at this point. Yeah, this she'd 1990. Be, uh, yeah, this is like the uh, that would be the next to last season of Cheers. No, because Cheers no. was on until 93. Yeah, 93. Okay. The anti-penultimate. My mistake. You're like, there's like three seasons of Cheers. We've established on this show, Chico has a terrible memory. If you listen all throughout this podcast, Chico does not remember anything that's happened. He may be living in like a mirror universe. What is this? Disenchantment? Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to spoil the ending of season four. Sorry. B.B. Newworth would have been a semi-regular at this point. Uh, looks like uh, d- just based on a uh, just cursory view here, looked like she was on about a dozen episodes in 1989. Looks like about another like six or seven episodes in 1990. So, yeah, she was definitely within the Cheers canon at this point. Do we have anybody else in the finale? Yeah, actually... Actually, we oh. do have another person. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I be- and this is a person we've mentioned in the past. I'm trying to remember where we remember him from, but playing an Indian waiter in this episode is Kavi Raz, and he looks familiar. We've talked about him. He was on St. Elsewhere, season one. Well, but there had to be something else, because I-, I think he was a character on a show that we previously covered. He was at least on one episode of What a Country. Oh, uh, so we're going to talk about him in a few weeks. Oh, God, What a Country. 
Oh, God. What, what, what a hot mess is more like it. Oh, God. I want to. I. That's going to be one of the shows that's probably going to break me and kill me. What a country. Oh, oh boy. Jesus. Oh, God. Okay. That seems like a good way to wrap up the show. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, as I think I've mentioned before, this show was. Actually nominated for four Emmys, Outstanding Writing of the Comedy Series with Hugh Wilson, Outstanding Guest Actress of the Comedy Series with Liz Torres, Outstanding Directing in a Comedy Series by Hugh Wilson for the pilot episode, and also actually won an Emmy Award because Alex Rocco won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series, which... I can only think of like two times in the history of the Emmys where someone won an award long after the show got canceled. This, and I think Dana Delaney won an Emmy for China Beach like a full year after it got canceled. Yeah, that that sounds about right. And another thing is, this show had top-notch talent working in front of the cameras and behind the cameras, top-notch writing, but like they said on Trio, brilliant but canceled. It was a very good show. It was a very, very good, very watchable show. And it had a really killer time slot coming out of Murphy Brown, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Murphy Brown was the lead-in. And this was in the age where lead-in was everything. So, what happened? Well, it's time to play another game of our favorite segment. Look at the schedule. So, the famous Teddy Z aired at 9.30 in between Murphy Brown at 9 in Designing Women at 10. So the night for the fall was at 8 o'clock, Major Dad, which I believe would have been in its first season. Yeah, it was in its first season at this point, Major Dad. Something called The People Next Door at 8.30, which actually was a Wes Craven-produced joint. Oh, no! 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 no. God, no! I think he just figured out what the people next door was about. No, I just saw who the lead is. Do I need to tell you who the lead was? Let me tell you right now. Set of Covington, Ohio. (laughs) Walter Kellogg is a man whose imagination was so vivid that many of the things he imagined materialized immediately. His wife, Abigail, is played by Mary Gross. They had two children, played by Jacqueline Bernstein and Chance Quinn. And Abigail's sister, Sissy, played by Christina Pickles, is also a regular as some Mendelssohn mailman Truman Phipps, played by Leslie Jordan. But notice we didn't mention who the lead was. And we're not going to. Yes! We don't talk about no, no, no. Can you please say it at least now? Because I don't know who the hell you're talking about. 
Oh no, 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 no. Jack. I regret no. I, I, no, I regret asking that question. I'm sorry. Well, if you take a look at the rest of the schedule that night for CBS, besides the people next door, it's everything is solid. Major Dad, Murphy Brown, the famous Teddy Z, designing women, new heart. Admittedly, that's Newhart's last season. So, and ten thirty is a weird time slot for Newhart. It used to be at like nine or nine thirty. So, well, remember this is down. New, yeah, remember this is Newhart and its last season. Right, right, right. Uh, but also, again, playing the look at the schedule game on ABC at least uh, in the fall and early winter. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Monday Night Football. And also, it would be going up against NBC Monday Night, the movies on NBC, and the second half of Alien Nation on Fox. Yeah. Well, Fox is pretty much nobody at that point. Yeah, I know. But still, I mean, Alien Nation was a big cult show. It was. It was. Absolutely. But yeah, afterwards, they moved it immediately to 830 after the people next door got canceled. And then they put uh, designing women in the 930 time slot. And oh, they moved Newhart to 10. And do you know what they put at 1030? What did they put at 1030? Doctor, doctor. (laughs) Oh, boy. Another future installment. Indeed. But yeah, it's like, okay. So when it gets moved to 830... It's now up against 21 Jump Street on Fox, MacGyver on ABC, and, oh, this'll do it. It's up against the Hogan family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to win against Jason Bateman. Sorry, Ducky. And I do have Nielsen ratings numbers at my disposal. For the week of September 25th to October 1st of 1989, we had 88 shows. Well, yeah, we did have Fox at this point. So no more weeks of 60 shows or 70 shows, 88 shows. It actually had a rating of 34th. And actually it was a sliver behind the Hogan family since you just talked about it. So out of 88 shows, it was like in the top third, roughly. A little bit lower than that. Going to the following week, October 2nd to the 8th, we had 67 shows. It came in 37th. So bottom half, unfortunately. And actually is one-tenth of a point ahead of Married with Children, which would have been like Fox's biggest show at that point. See, it didn't look good from the outset because, like I said, by early October, it's already in the bottom half of the ratings. And it's got a great lineup around it. I mean, you've got Designing Women, which was on for like, what, seven seasons? I mean, this would have been like its fourth season at this point or third season. And New Hearts, I know it was like an hour later, but at this point, it's in like its eighth season. And you said Major Dad was in its first season. So it had a great lineup outside of that one show at 830, mind you. And Murphy Brown was one of the biggest newer shows on TV at that point. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of an anomaly, to say the least. Oh, do you want to know what 
replaced the famous Teddy Z at 8.30 on the CBS schedule. What replaced it? It was replaced by a show called City, which, funny enough, also had in the supporting cast Liz Torres. But do you know who was the star of the show? And the name Uh, of the show is City? Yes. Do you want to take a guess? Now, was this a comedy or was this a... This was a comedy. Oh, I've never even heard of this show. This I is, haven't heard of it either. This is an MTM show, but when you hear the name and when you think what this aired against, this will make sense. Okay, you ready? Okay. All right. Valerie Harper. Oh, good night. What? Oh, my gosh. Because remember... This was at 8.30 up against the Hogan family. Right, right, right. So so basically, Valerie Harper was against her old show at that point. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is wacky. And you want to know what's crazy? Do you know who created this show? Paul Haggis. Oh, gosh. Yep. That Paul Haggis. Yeah. So meanwhile, I'm still trying to figure out what happened to this show that CBS decided, you know what? We're good. Now, fun fact. I got plenty of these fun facts. Teddy's mother was originally supposed to be played by Lainey Kazan, but she ended up quitting. Oh. And the writers wanted more of the work life of Teddy Z. But CBS wanted more of the home life. So I guess you could chalk this one up to creative differences. The writers were creative. CBS was different. The network was meddling. Well, remember what Hugh Wilson said. Like, he got comments like, nobody wants to watch a show about show business. But then 15 years later, Entourage becomes like one of the biggest shows on television. And if you look at today... What's one of the biggest shows on television now? Barry. Barry. It's a show about show business. Granted, the actor is a hitman, but he's still an actor. Yes. Oh, wait. You know what? We didn't even mention the queen mother of all shows about show business, 30 Rock. I was waiting for that. Yeah, 30 Rock. Yeah, yeah seriously, seriously, I was waiting for that just because I cannot compare the, the famous Teddy Z to Entourage. One I can enjoy, and the other is called Entourage. Yeah, but 30 Rock, yeah, is a show about what's basically Saturday Night Live. So, yep. yeah, it's about the inner workings of a television show. And that became like a big hit for NBC, like, 20 years after this show. So, oh, hold on a second. All right. So I got one more show that premiered at 8.30 around the summertime. Now, they did air Newhart uh, after, I'm guessing, City got canceled in the, sometime in the spring. City actually got moved to Friday night at 8.30 p.m. on CBS on a night of losers with small talk, some show with Whoopi Goldberg and Gene Stapleton and something called Sugar and Spice. By the way, the first season of Baywatch on NBC was on Opposite City, and I would much rather watch David Hasselhoff and his hunky body than Valerie Harper. So they aired New Heart at 8.30. I'm guessing probably reruns. But it was replaced by a show called 
Sydney. Do you want to know who played the male lead opposite Valerie Bertinelli? Who played the male lead out of Valerie Bertinelli? Matthew Perry. Because of course he did. It would because been... of course he did. It would have been. Yeah, second chance slash boys will be boys was canceled at this point. And he didn't need Kyle Martin's help. It'll be another five years until friends, Matthew. I guess the last word really belongs to John Cryer, who wrote about the famous Teddy Z in his memoir, So That Happened. The famous Teddy Z was a quick education in all aspects of getting a show on the air and trying to keep it on the air. Classes involved being in every scene 101, studies and learning new lines every week, introduction to early critical hype, Alex Rocco appreciation, he crushed it each week as the shark-like veteran agent, Introduction to varying degrees of script quality. Introduction to great ratings. Intermediate ratings decline. Principles of hiring one's realtor, brother-in-law, and best friend for the writing staff, which he did. Advanced script rewriting and rewriting. And advanced ratings decline. And after all that, graduation seems a pipe dream. Just over halfway through the 1989-1990 season, CBS expelled us. That being said, Hugh who could be charming and genial, but overall kept any possible personal affection for me in the raps, made good on his word. He did try to give my character more fun things to do, but it was too little too late by that point. As for Lainey's replacement, Erica Yone, she was tasked with a character who is now a grandmother, and so stereotypically old country, she talked like this, which sadly did not work. Besides, the home and family stuff was huge sop to the network heads who thought people would relate to it. But viewers were bored, and the show was always at the heart an office comedy anyway. The cancellation of the famous Teddy Z, a show that never lived up to its early heat, pretty much knocked the wind out of me. The movies that didn't work at least weren't roller coasters the way this had been. I'm in, I'm out. I'm in, I'm fired. I'm in, Critics are in, audiences aren't, then the network isn't. There were emotional bruises on me by this point, and I felt as if I had further reason not to trust my instincts when it came to my career choices. I'd made the proverbial step down from movies to do television, and when even that didn't shine a light, it left me clinically depressed. Weight gain, slurred speech, and an intense need not to give anybody a reason to be disappointed in me, busted up my relationship with my girlfriend at the time, the beautiful and kind Jane Sibbett, who had played my girlfriend on the show. She wanted marriage and kids, and I was so shot emotionally, I didn't even know how to be myself. It would take doing theater again in my hometown to bring me back to a place of healthy artistic purpose, and a place in which I tried to get somebody fired. But that's another story. It's basically a case of CBS loves you until they somehow find a reason not to love you. One final note to add before we wrap up the show. You can find episodes of the famous Teddy Z on Crackle. As of now, only the first seven episodes are on Crackle. But they're there if you want to see them. So it started out with so much promise. Started out with so much chemistry. Started out with everything going for itself. 
ultimately became, Greg? A thing on TV. Happy birthday, Greg. Well, Yes, Greg, happy birthday to you. Well, at least they didn't pick a Hudson Brothers razzle-dazzle show. Now, Greg, I've already told you, I have an idea for my next Money in the Bank for March. By far, it is better than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle show. I'm hoping you're going to pick a winner because... I've got two two names. I've got two names. One is a legitimate winner, but that may be in never-cover territory, potentially. Okay. Um, The other one could be similar, in in, in a similar territory. So I think I got a winner, but again, I don't want to spoil anything. I can't even declare it until September, so... I'll keep everybody in suspense for another three, four months. I already have my pick for uh, my money in the bank. So I don't even want to think to May of 2023 yet. I just want to enjoy what I have right now. So, hey, I'm just so looking forward to some of the rest of the stuff we're going to have later this year. Uh, Even though we're going to have to cover what a country. Hey, at least next month we're going to be covering women in prison. Now you're in jail. And that was us, Stone Cold Sober, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Well, you can always go to itwasathingontv.com and listen to the 271 episodes prior to this. You can listen to all the live shows, all the mini-sodes, all the director's cuts, all the fun stuff. Hey, Chico. You know what's coming up on Disney Plus later this month? Uh, yes, I do, and I cannot wait for it. It is Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, and also Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Well, we're going to do a live show about one of them. Hint, it's the first show. Yep, that's oh, going to be... Epic. That Yeah, that's going to be pretty epic, and it's going to be, what, uh, for, I want to say... Second weekend in June, look out for that, maybe? Maybe first weekend of June, who knows? But yeah, we'll definitely do the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Friday, May 27th, which is this coming Friday, if you're listening to this, on Monday, they're going to air episodes one and two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. They were originally going to air it on May 25th, which would have been my birthday, which would have been great, but they held it back to the 27th because they wanted to air the first two episodes, which... I'll wait another two days if I'm going to get the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Can't wait for it. Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen back in all Star I Wars. Say, yeah, all I can say is they're releasing that on the same weekend that Netflix is releasing season four, part one of Stranger Things. Somebody is feeling themselves. Well, yeah. Netflix is probably like, oh, like we've had enough troubles. Oh, but yeah, uh, well, I'll eventually get around to having to re-up to Netflix for the first time in a year and a half just to watch Stranger Things. So, Well, you were going to do that anyway. I was probably going to do that anyway and then just cancel because you still canceled Glow Netflix. I'm never going to forgive you for that. We still got two more episodes. Yeah, just so you know, this is the last taping of the taping cycle we're doing right now but we recorded the next episode before this 
taping for this episode and the third episode for this week, like two episodes before we recorded this. So we just did it in reverse order is what Greg's trying to say. Yeah, our last episode is the first one we recorded this week. This episode, the first episode this week, is the last one we recorded. Yes, so I'm going to bed right after I'm done with this because I've been talking for five hours about John Cryer, Alex Rocco, a dog, a, a pizza mascot, and a chimp. But you enjoyed it. Oh, Bobby but, but the Chimp. Did you enjoy yourself? I did enjoy myself, and you know what? Bobby the Chimp is now a show legend. He's right up there in the show canon with Clifford the Big Inbred Dog. Yeah, go back into the uh, archives for that. Oh, one. And, and also Eligante. I want the belt. I want the belt. I want your belt. Which, by the way, Chico, we talked about how can a tall guy be terrible at basketball well we were reminded on twitter that there was one really tall guy who couldn't play basketball but fortunately ted turner found another job for him because remember eligante played for the atlanta hawks that's right eligante played for the atlanta hawks and he stood next to mike fratello Mike Fratello looked really, really short next to him. Well, Mike Fratello is really, really short. I've seen him. He actually came to, uh, when I worked at Sam's Club, he was returning an item at Sam's Club, and I got to help him. Oh. He's like 5'7". He's he's not a tall person. Oh, yeah, I know. Because Elegante's like 7'8". 7'7", 7'8". But... <laughs> oh, we miss you, George. Uh, but you know what? We've had so much fun this episode. And you know, you're going to have a lot of fun with our next two episodes, just like we enjoyed bringing this to you for the famous Teddy Z. So enjoy our next two episodes coming up later this week right here at It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Thursday with our second episode of the week. Wow! Teddy Z, he's the man.